Uh, I pray that you would just uh, speak to us today as we jump into your word. Uh, we're rapidly uh, approaching the end of the book of Romans, and uh, there's been a lot here. And so, um, Lord, I do pray that uh, it just be a good time uh, in your word. Lord, I do pray for your church, as uh, there are a lot of people that are <clears throat> out on vacation, and uh, I hate to say it, but summer's uh, approaching uh, the end. seems like a whole lot faster than it got here. And so, uh, I do pray that you just... Uh, be with your saints today as uh, people are out doing different things and uh, the different ministries that are going on. And I uh, pray you're getting the honor and the glory uh, from their lives. Just give your people rest. And uh, Lord, I do pray for the mission trip uh, to Boston, uh, the one that's coming up quick, that uh, you would have the uh, uh, the people on the trip that you would want there. And if it's the team that's already signed up, then I pray you just use them. And if there's other people that uh, you know are going to be there, I pray you just uh, get them there soon so uh, you could just uh, uh, get the, the team solidified and also pray for uh, the trip to Oaxaca this uh, this fall, Lord, and uh, just uh, the tr- trip going to um, Monmouth, Lord. I pray for youth camp coming up. There's a lot of things happening, and so, Lord, I do pray that you would just get the honor and the glory. Uh, Lord, I do pray that uh, your word uh, goes out today boldly. Uh, I pray for Pastor Brian as he's preaching, so I pray you just speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, open up to the book of Romans chapter 16. So, uh, I'm sure, since we've been in Romans for a hot minute here, um, a hot minute, uh, that somebody has maybe read ahead. If you remember back from the beginning, I had you guys reading the book of Romans several times uh, just because I told you to quit doing or I never told you to quit doing that, but I quit telling you to do that. Maybe somebody continued to do it. So when you think, just somebody tell me that off the top of their head because somebody has to have an idea. When you think of Romans 16, what comes to your mind? Because I can tell you what comes to my mind, but I want to hear somebody else's first. Romans one sixteen. Well, that's chapter one. So, okay, I understand. So, you're like me; everything's twisted backwards in your head. So, when you think of Romans chapter sixteen, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I think of Missouri goodbye, Midwestern goodbye. Midwestern goodbye. That's that's a really good way to put it, man. We stand at the door. Like, hey, we're leaving, but we stand there for... I mean, you should have just stayed on the couch because it's much more comfortable here because you've been here for two hours. <laughs> yeah. And it was really weird because they said, all right, we're leaving, yeah. goodbye. Is it? And they left. Yeah. There yeah, was no one that. was that. And they were gone. It was like, oh. That's one thing. That's one thing that I think is really cool about Chris Engel because uh, he came from Jersey. And it's like when Chris decides it's time to go, he's not rude, but he's just like, all right, it's time to go. And they're, then they're gone. And I'm like, man, is something we said? It, it's just crazy. When Dave and Abby first got together, like they would be at dinner somewhere over here. And she'd be like, well, babe, I think it's time to go. Are you ready? And he'd go, yep. And he'd get up and grab his stuff and head out the door. And she was like, that's so rude. <laughs> it's just different. But yeah, you're right. A uh, uh, Midwestern goodbye. Uh, when I think of Romans chapter 16, I think of a whole bunch of names, right? And it's just like, man, it's almost hard to read because some of these are hard to do. But but Chris is exactly right, man. He Paul is uh, he's trying to wrap it up. He's trying to close this thing out, and he's he's got a lot of people he wants to uh, say hey to. And so I got into my HBI notes a little bit, and I was going to give you some of like the super detailed, like he says hey to this many people, and then there's this many people that are with him that are like, hey, say hey to them. But I'm like. We don't really need all those details. If you guys want to count them, feel free. But I, I kind of wanted to make it a little more practical to us. But anyway, Paul's trying to wrap this thing up, and he's got a lot to say. And so here's kind of what I titled Romans uh, 16, because we are finishing this up. They're, they're, this is the three closings to the book of Romans. 
the three closings to the book of Romans, and it doesn't work like a normal outline would, because normal outline would be like verses 1 to 10 or this, verses 10 to 20 or this, and verses 20 to 30 or this. Well, it's not exactly like that, because, so there's three closings, and in one of the closings, uh, well, I'll just tell you what they are. The first one is a doctrinal closing. That's point one, but it doesn't start at verse one, right? So there's a doctrinal closing. Uh, there's a personal closing that's like the first half of the chapter. Then he takes a break and he talks doctrine for a minute. Then he gets back to the personal side of things. And then he's got what uh, what some people might know what this word means. He's got a doxology closing. And I'm not trying to sound super smart, but it's basically uh, just a, a statement or what he's saying that ascribes everything to God. And so maybe we'll get that far today. I don't know. Uh, there's, there's lots of... Uh, there's lots of words, or there's lots of names to get through. But anyway, there's three closings of the book of Romans, and there are a bunch of names. It'd be really easy to read through this and just be like, yeah, that's what he said. Uh, wrapped it up, we're done. Put a bow on this thing, we're finished. But uh, there are some things that I want you to kind of get as we go, kind of go through this. And so um, we'll kind of slow down as we get into it. But I just want to kind of read. Uh, don't make fun of me for some of the names. But, you know, there's a reason that uh, not only Paul wrote the letter uh, or he spoke the letter, and you'll find out later that Tertius is the one who actually penned it. But uh, there's a reason Paul said all these names. And then there's also another reason that... Uh, God and His sovereignty has recorded them in His Word. And so we're not just going to skip over them and say, hey, it's a bunch of names. There's a reason. So let's read through them uh, and let's just kind of to get to what He's saying. So this comes off of chapter 15 where He was kind of given some final instructions. He's been trying to land this thing, get there, and then very quickly He's like, okay, we're, we're wrapping this thing up. Well, he's like, okay, are you ready to go? I'm going to go stand by the door, right? And just like any good Baptist preacher, this is the first of his, you know, three closings to his conclusion. So, you know, that's that's where he's getting at. So, Romans chapter 16 and verse 1, he says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is in Centuria, that you receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, she, for she hath been a securer of many, uh, and of myself also. So I'm going to, instead of just like reading this and going back through, I'm just kind of going to go through, because as far as the the personal closing goes, uh, there's there's the first part of it, and we'll kind of just walk through this, and I'll just kind of give you a little bit of commentary, a little bit of info on it as we go, and then I really want to get to like the second half of the chapter. So Phoebe, uh, he's like, hey, I commend you uh, that you receive her in the Lord. This is where we uh, get our... Uh, I don't want to really call it a doctrine, but uh, our practice of receiving people uh, as members of the church, right? That's why Brian brings them up, like if somebody's transferring a, a, from a different church of like faith, right? Meaning they have the same baptism, they have the same doctrine that we do. When they come in, you know, Brian brings them up to the front. And he's like, hey, do you receive these people into the body? This is what he's talking about here. This is where we get that doctrine, that you receive her in the Lord. Because once we all say amen, they're members now, right? They're, they're in the family, not, not, not in the family of Christ, but they're in the family of HBF, and so you have to treat them that way. So he says that you receive her as the Lord has become a space, that you assist her, because that's what the body does. Once somebody is now a part of your body of Christ, if there are things like if it's a widow or something like that, there are responsibilities that the church has to have. So he says that you assist her, meaning you're taking on the responsibility in whatsoever business she need of you. Now, whatever that is, I don't know, but there's something going on, meaning you know, she's going to need something, right? Maybe she, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that that could mean. So anyway, that you assist her, uh, that she have need of you, for she hath been a secure of many, and of myself also. 
Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Jesus Christ. We know Priscilla and Aquila from the book of Acts, right? So these are names that are pretty common, right? They were, uh, if you know anything about it, Priscilla and Aquila, they were tent makers with with uh, Paul, meaning tent. That's what they did for a living. Like we call when we talk about like a pastor who has a job and he's a pastor at the same time, we call that uh, pastor a tent making pastor, meaning they just have a job uh, that pays them outside of. So that's what Paul did. He was a tent like that they put up tents right that's what they did and so Priscilla and Aquila had the same occupation that's how they met Paul and they ministered together as they worked and so anybody who has been able to uh, work in the in the workplace with another believer in Christ you kind of know what that means it's really uh, refreshing to be around somebody that has the same beliefs the same thought process that you do it makes work uh, the workday go by a lot better and so I can only imagine that Paul and Priscilla and Aquila right and so he says great Priscilla and Aquila my helpers in Christ Jesus right meaning so they're in Rome already so uh, whom have uh, who have for my life laid down their own necks what does that mean they were willing to die for him if they had to right you go to the book of Corinthians and you find out what that means. Uh, there was a time when they housed Paul when uh, he was trying to get out of town they were trying to kill him, meaning they put their life on the line uh, to to keep him. So he, he's just like, hey, let him know that I, I still think about that like it was yesterday. You know, uh, but also uh, all the churches of the Gen- uh, yeah, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So he goes on to say of Priscilla and Aquila, hey, these guys are getting it done. they got a church in their house. Back in the day, they had a church in their house where they lived uh, before, and now they're in Rome, and they got the same thing. Um, so yeah, uh, the church is in their house. Salute my well-beloved... Uh, somebody say that. Ephanetus? Sure. Okay. Uh, who is the first fruits of Achaia and the Christ? Uh, great Mary, who bestowed much labor under, uh, under us. Uh What's going on, Caleb? Uh, salute uh, Andronicus uh, and Juniah, my kinsmen, right? So I don't even know that they're just like their kinsmen, right? That meaning they're probably actually relatives. He wouldn't say kinsmen if they weren't, right? So, and my fellow prisoners, one of the many times that Paul was in jail, so these people spent some time in jail with him. Uh, I've never been to jail, but I would guess that, you know, you've got a bond with those kind of people. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I... You have to find somebody who's been in jail and ask them. I don't know. Uh, uh, my fellow prisoners who are uh, of note uh, among the apostles, who uh, also were in Christ before me, uh, greet Anthelus, uh, my beloved in the Lord, so, uh, salute Urbine, my helper in Christ, and, and Stachus, my beloved, salute uh, Apelus, approved in Christ, salute uh, them which are uh, of Aristobulus' household, uh, so he's just kind of really going through some names now, right? And so there's something I kind of do want to point out here in verse 11 and 12. Though. So, so uh, Herodian, my kinsman, so another uh, another relative, greet them which be of the household of uh, Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute uh, Tryphenus and uh, Tryphona, Tryphosa, who labored in the Lord. Salute beloved uh, Persis, Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Uh, so before we get to verse 13, I want to say, so in verse 11, he says, So Herodias, my kinsman, greet them which be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. So those guys right there, they're in the Lord. I think this is kind of kind of cool. Um, kind of shows you, not that we have different levels of Christianity, but at the same time, we kind of do have different levels of how 
in uh, how sold out we are to the ministry. So he says uh, that the, 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 those guys are in the Lord. Verse 12, Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa who labor in the Lord. So you are either in the Lord, you're either laboring in the Lord, or he says uh, the beloved Persis who labored much in the Lord. Right? I don't think it's a coincidence that he says these guys are in the Lord, these guys are laboring in the Lord, and there's this dude over here, he's laboring much in the Lord. You know, and so... I don't think that God is going to, you know, give a special blessing because you know you were more more sold out. But I do think there are more uh, blessings that go. Uh, there are more spiritual uh, blessings at the judgment seat of Christ for all the things that you did. You know, the people who are completely sold out and they give everything for the Lord. You know, there's going to be more crowns given to those people, and that's just the way it is, right? You know, they were addicted to the ministry; they were sold out to the ministry. So, you know, just kind of think of that as you're going through, you know, life. It's like, am I in the Lord? Am I laboring in the Lord, or am I laboring much in the Lord? I think that was kind of just something that popped out to me as I was reading that. Verse 13. Salute Rufus. I don't think he's talking about his dog either, right? And the Lord and his mother and mine. Uh, Rufus was actually related uh, to Paul, if you uh, track that thing down. Uh, verse 14, salute uh, Asyncritus, uh, Theogon, Hermes, uh, Petrobus. I feel like I'm watching Harry Potter, right? Uh, Hermes and the brethren, uh, which are uh, also with them. Uh, salute uh, Philogus uh, and Julia. Uh, Ner- Nereus and his sister and Olympias and all the saints I'm, I'm butchering this and all the saints which are with them salute one another with a holy kiss the churches of Christ salute you right he could end right there like that's the first of his three conclusions right that, like 3.5 conclusions so he gives all these names and he's just like hey let all these people know so all these people are in Rome and you know if you go back to Romans chapter 1 he says Paul and Apostle Jesus Christ I'm writing this letter to you to all the churches that be in Rome meaning there are more than one church so we know here that there's at least a church in Aquila and Priscilla's house and there's some other churches if you uh, study who these people are so there's lots of churches going on and he, so he's writing to these people and he's like hey I've written this whole letter to you, this whole basically doctrinal thesis on the doctrine of the church and everything else. And he's like, so now that I'm done, I want you to know that I actually was thinking about you all when I was writing this. I wasn't just writing this to the air. Like, I had people in mind. I knew that there were people that were at the church of Aquila and Priscilla. And I know that if you're in their church, there's some things happening, right? Because I know them. Like, it's no different that there are certain people that I know. I know, like, uh, Brian Clark's in London. Like, I know if there are people that go to Brian Clark's church and they've been there for more than, like, two weeks, like, there's some things happening there, right? I know Tony Godfrey's got a church right down the road. I know that if there's people that are, like, members there, like, there's some things happening. They're sold out. And so I know that if I was writing a letter, like, I'd have these people in mind. And so that's what he's talking about. So he's, he wrote this whole thing, and he's like, I'm just letting you know that I'm, I've been thinking about y'all. So that's kind of the first part of the personal closing. We'll wrap that thing up in a second. But then he gets to, to verse 17, and he's like, like any good, like Chris said it earlier, any good Midwesterner, he's like, oh yeah, there's this one other thing, right? And we're going to talk about something else for a minute. It's like, you know, if you're from Jersey, you'd have walked out the door, right? We were done. But no, uh, or California, like Chris said, but uh, there's just some people are different. But he's like, oh yeah, there's something else I wanted to say. Verse 7, he says, now I beseech you, brethren, and they're like, oh man, he says this when he's going to talk for a while, right? It's like, you know, we all got that person in our life that's like, we just got to get out the door, right? We just got to, and like, but they're like, oh yeah, there's one other thing. And I'm like, oh, there's 20 more minutes, right? He's like, now I beseech you. Okay, here we go. Brethren, mark them 
which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. Well, that sounds serious. He's been listing all these names and all these things. Like, now I beseech you, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they which... Uh, for they that are uh, such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches uh, deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men, and I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would uh, have you wise and, uh, unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's closing number two, right? So that's the second one. That's kind of where I want to start here today. That's the doctrinal closing. That's, you know, verse 17 to 20 is the doctrinal closing. And he's got something very specific he wants to say. And you wouldn't know it until you read on. And then he starts listing some more names. The, this little excerpt right here, there's something he's trying to say. And he's, he's wanting to wrap this thing up. And you have to understand, what has the book of Romans been about? Man, it's been like everything about your salvation from when you were lost up until what God had to do uh, to make a way for you, up until what you needed to do to accept it, and then what happens once you accept it? Right now, there's nothing that can separate you, and now you've got these spiritual gifts, and there's like He's went through this whole thing, right? And so now He's like, the last thing I want you to get doctrinally out of this whole thing, right, is this. He says, I want you to mark them, I want you to avoid them. And I want you to bruise him. And when he says him, he's talking about Satan, right? He says, you need to mark them. What does that mean? Mark them which cause divisions. Meaning, if there's somebody in your life, more importantly as we're talking about this, if there's somebody in the church that only has division surrounding them, like everything that they're affiliated with, it's like, man, there is there is like cloud of dust behind this person. There is like chaos, you know, they not you use the the term bow in a china cabinet, but it's like the the china cabinet is the church, and man, everything that they get around, they break. And it's like, okay, sometimes it's just bad luck. Other times it's more than just bad luck, right? And so he says, first off, you need to mark them. What does that mean? It means if you have somebody that is just like, man, it seems like everything that person's around is messed up, mark them. That doesn't mean like go right on their forehead, right? We're not giving them the mark of the beast or anything else, right? Uh, it means in your own mind, like. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay a little closer attention to what's going on here, right? Uh, you know, so you, you you get a bad report about something, and you don't want to just go and accuse somebody of something. So it's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm going to mark them. I'm gonna watch a little more closely to see if what I think is true is true, right? If is it just coincidence that you know the three ministries they've been in have ended in like complete utter disaster and splits, or is it something that they're doing, right? And so mark them. Now he says, mark them doing what? Uh, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to what? Not just people who hurt your feelings. No, he says, people that are contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. So if it's something that is like red flag, like what they just said doesn't seem quite right, right? Uh, now you all know me, I don't read a lot of books, but sometimes if I'm reading a book, or let's be real, if I'm reading parts of a book, right? Because like sometimes Paige will be reading a book and she's like, read this part and tell me what you think, right? Uh, or different things. Like, but there are times that I've read a book, uh, a few, and so uh, I'm just not a huge reader, right? I just don't. I wish I had time, right? Anyway, so 
sometimes you're reading through a book and you know obviously you don't know the author and so it, you know it's probably a Christian type of book on this side or the other there might be something that's, that's said that it's just like that kind of pops up a red flag that kind of seems a little bit contrary to what I know to be true on salvation or this side or the other right and so it's like you know you start to, to mark them like okay that's red flag number one now what else are they going to say you know and so you start to really get a uh uh, your, your radar is out there on, okay, I want to make sure that we're, we're tracking here. Because if this person's off on, you know, salvation by faith as opposed to salvation by works, then I really don't care what they have to say about whatever they're saying because they're off on the, the you know, the ground level. So, you know, if their foundation's not right, I really don't care what the top of the building looks like because it's all going to fall eventually. It's just how it works, right? And so anyway, so the first thing he says, mark them. Mark who? Those who are causing divisions contrary to what you know to be true. Right? Not just your feelings, not just like, well, I, I don't really like what... No. Mark them who are contrary to what you know to be true. Right? It doesn't say call them out. It doesn't say, hey, you know, what are you talking about, fool? Right? No. The first thing is he says mark them. You're just watching a little more closely. So th- this is really... This is key. Like this is... There's not a lot of doctrinal stuff in Romans 16, but this is here. And so this is something you need to get. Mark them first. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Which cause of visions is what you have learned. Then he says, and avoid them. This is the next step in, okay, I've been watching these people, and what I thought to be true, yeah, it's true, right? Uh, well, first off, this fool was writing about, you know, how, you know, we've taken the place, you know, he, he kind of mentioned how, you know, the church has taken the place of Israel in this book I was reading. I'm like, okay, so that doesn't seem quite right. And now the fool in the next chapter just went all out, and he's just like... You know, replacement theology, right? And so you all know what I'm talking about. Like, oh, the church has taken the place of Israel. It's like, okay, I don't, this, this fool's way off, right? So not only have I marked him, I'm going to avoid him. I'm shutting the book. Like, I don't need to read anymore because it's off. The doctrine's bad. This person that I've marked, right, seems like something's not quite right, right? Okay, well, now they've proved it to be true. What am I going to do now? I'm going to avoid them. I'm not going to jump in the ministry with somebody who I know to be off. Right, this side of the other, you know, and there are biblical ways to deal with this stuff. But for the most part, Paul's just like, first off, you need to mark them, and once you prove it to be true, what are you going to do? You're going to avoid them. Like, I'm not going to be a part of what you've got going on, right? Uh, Whatever it is, like, hey, I I really need some help in this ministry over here, and it's just like, uh, I'm not going to tell them this, but you've been marked in my mind. You've proved not to be true. I'm going to avoid that. Right? Not going to happen. Right? Just it's just not. I'm not going to tell other people not to. Maybe unless they ask my counsel, and then in private, I might be like, I might suggest you don't do that. I don't really need to tell you why. It's just my suggestion. But anyway, I'm not going to go slander them. But I've marked them. Now I'm going to avoid them. Why? Because they're contrary to the doctrine. Not because I don't like them. Not because we don't, you know, do the same things outside of church. Not because you know they're they're different than I am. No, because they're contrary to the doctrine. So you need to keep that. First and foremost, right? So you need to mark them, you need to avoid them. Why? For they uh, that are such as serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. They're in it for their own glory, right? And uh, the good words and fair speeches to see their hearts of the simple. It reminds me of uh, when Jesus is talking about, you know, uh, the Pharisees. And he's like, man, they're all about making uh, long prayers. And they're all about wearing the garments of the priesthood. But it's like, man, they're the most unholy people I've ever been around, right? That's what these guys are about. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, something's not right here. I want to get to this next point, though. 
So he says, I want you to mark them, I want you to avoid them. He says, For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto them which is good and simple concerning evil. So he says all that. He says, basically, like, you guys are smart enough to figure this out, right? You're okay to do this. But then he says, and this is kind of how he wraps up all doctrinal teaching in the book of Romans. He says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan. He doesn't say the people. Right? He says, The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of meat in that phrase right there. Right? There's a lot and I don't want to get like super, you know I, I mean this in a great way. I don't want to get like super Brian Hedges on you guys on this and be like, you know but there's a lot of there's a lot of what's going on in what he's saying here. He says, The God of peace, meaning obviously the God that saved you shall bruise Satan. Well, I think we all know who that is. It's the adversary. It's the punk. It's the one who's always trying to deceive you, trying to uh, get you off track, right? Uh, so, he shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Now, that's very prophetical in the fact that there will be a day when we come back with the second coming, and I'm not going to get super deep into this, but when we come back with the second coming, uh, and we are warriors, right? We're here for a war, and, and we're taking care of this punk once and for all. For all the times that, man, the temptation just kept popping up, just kept popping up, just come out. Like, I, I'm ready, right? So, they'll be like, yeah, you remember that? Thing? I'm, I was tired of that, and you just kept bringing it, right? So, he shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Paul is like, hey, just to wrap up everything that... The book of Romans has been about salvation. From before you were saved, to how He made a way for you to be saved, to how you were able to get saved, right? to how you should walk once you are saved, to how you have this battle, battle with the flesh. right? All these different... It's been about salvation the whole way. And he's like, here's how I'm going to wrap this thing up. You ain't got to worry about this punk no more. Right? You don't have to worry about this punk anymore. And... and some people are like, yeah, that's right, I don't. And then some people are like, man, you don't understand the battles that I go through, right? And so it's not, it's not coincidence that Paul's like, hey, this is the last thing I've got to say as far as doctrine goes, as far as about your salvation. He's like, you don't have to worry about it. He says, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your, uh, under your feet shortly. Like, you should walk in victory with that statement alone. Like, you have power to say no. You have power to not have to worry about it, right? And some people are like, hey man, you don't understand the the adversary, and I've been through times in my life, and I'm sure we all have, right, where we were really battling it out, right? And it's just like, man, I want to do the right thing, but I'm struggling, and like, man, the adversary is really fighting. There are other times in life where it's just like, man, he must be fighting somebody else because I'm not really getting a whole lot of warfare. Like, this is a time of peace in the land. No, man, enjoy those times. Okay? Because they're few and far between, and so just enjoy those times. Like if if you're in the ministry now, if you're somebody who's just like, man, I ain't never had Satan bothering me. Well, there's probably a reason, right? Because Satan's not all cool about you being about the ministry of God. So um, put two and two together. Are you about the ministry of God? Because if you're not, there's nothing for him to be in your business about. Anyway, but if you are about the ministry of God and it's just a time of peace, enjoy it. But a lot of times there's a battle going on, right? And he doesn't just attack you. Right, this is something that Paige and I have learned as we walk through life is Satan doesn't always the, the devil doesn't always just attack you. Right? He attacks those around you. Right? He gets your focus off the ministry by making you go tend to this, right? And so I remember uh, the first time I went on a mission trip and I I mean I was like 
I was greener than grass, man. I didn't know nothing about nothing. But uh, I went to India with Pastor Randy and Pastor Brian, and you know, I I had no business to be there, and it was just because they wanted to take me along. You know, I look back on it, I'm like, I'm really glad that they did. But um, like, I wasn't concerned about anything. You know, I wasn't excited about the food. Like at the t- at that point in my life, uh, I was still fairly picky about what I ate, and so I've learned. You can ask my wife. I've learned to eat just about anything now. There are certain things like nobody should eat mushrooms. That's just weird. <laughs> the texture is messed up. But anyway, that's nothing to do with anything. Like there are so, still certain things that I'm like, no, nah, it's not right. Uh, I would almost say it's not godly, but we'll just <laughs> anyway. But at that point in my life, there were like lots of things that I was like, I don't need it. But I wasn't concerned about the food because I just knew that you know God took care of it. And but there there was one thing that I was super concerned about uh, when I went on this trip. I had never been away from my wife since we had been married for more than twenty four hours, right? And it had nothing to do with like what am I going to do without my wife. But it was like if I hadn't been away from her, that means she hadn't been away from me. The kids were still little. How long had we been married at that point? Just like rough guess. See, that's not a rough guess. You're trying to do math, right? That's it. I think you went in 2010, the spring of 2010. All right, so anyway, it seemed like a long time. Now it seems like a really long time. But anyway, uh, we've been married for quite a while, and I I saw this like, man, because I knew how this worked. I'm like, I already know. The adversary won't attack me. I won't get sick. I already knew how this was going to work. I'm like, something will happen at home, and it's going to get me distracted. Sure enough, like we get to India, and I call my wife, and she's like trying to hide the fact that she's like, oh, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Oh, nothing. It's all good. I'm like, either you're 90 or you're sick, one or the other. So what has happened here? Of course, the adversary, like they all had the flu so bad that like it was just. And so what? Immediately, my mind's like, I need to be there. What am I going to do? How am I going to? The adversary will do that. And as you grow in the Lord, you'll realize that as you grow stronger in the Lord, the adversary will attack those in your life that are important to you that are weaker, right? To get you distracted. And that's not like it doesn't. It's not a bad thing about them. Like he'll he'll attack your kids, right? There's a reason that uh, uh, Jesus tells Peter, man, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. He doesn't want to just like knock you in the head. No, he wants to grind you up into something that you feel like you're completely worthless. And you, you need to understand, like that's what he wants to do. He wants you to feel so defeated about yourself, about the people around you. He just wants you to feel like that there's no hope, right? If you've got like a messed up situation in life, if you, like there's people with addiction, there's people... Like I'm telling you, the adversary wants you to think that there's no hope, you might as well just stay where you're at. Right? He wants you to feel like your marriage is so jacked up that there's no hope. He wants you to feel like your kids are so messed up that there's no hope. Right? Now, I'm telling you, those are all lies of the adversary. And so here's something... So I say all that to say, like some people are like, man, I get it. Yeah, we're going to boo Satan under our feet. You know, yeah. You know, go back to Genesis. And he says, you know... You know, he's gonna, we're going to bruise his uh, head with our heel, all that, right? Okay, there's a lot of doctrine there. Here's, here's something I want you to know. If you walk out of here just for practical, there are four things, and there might be more, but there are four things that Satan can't do, right? And you might write these down. You might not write these down. I don't care. But, you know, we're supposed to bruise him. Here's four things that Satan cannot do. You know, because sometimes we're just defeated. We're just like, man, I understand. I want to live victorious, but they're like, the adversary, he's pretty wicked. I understand. Like, He's pretty wicked. He's way, he, he, he's, his wickedness is way better than my goodness. And so I can't outgood his bad. It's just the way it is. Right? He cannot take the peace of a born again believer. Right? That's one thing that Satan can't do. And you might be like, I'm telling you, uh, he's taking my peace. Right? Uh, I was fine and this situation happened and, uh, I'm not peaceful anymore. I'm telling you, if you choose to be in peace, if you choose to understand that, you know what? I'm saved and at the end of the day, that's really what matters. 
right? Uh, my family's alive and that's really what matters. Like, he can't take that peace from you, right? Now, he might be able to... Think of Job, man. He put Job through the ringer and God let him, right? He can't take that peace. <laughs> man, Job's like, naked I came into this world, naked I'm going to go out, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? His wife's like, curse God and die. Okay, well... <laughs> He took her peace, right? He didn't take it, but she allowed him to, right? He can't take the peace of a warning and believer. Just know that. And I, the reason I'm making such a big deal of this is this is the last, like, doctrinal, like, home run swing Paul takes. And there's, and like I said, there's a lot in the... We, you could spend two weeks on this one verse. And I'm just trying to pull something out for you to walk out of here with and just be like, okay, now I see what he's doing there. So he can't take your peace. Another thing that Satan can do, he cannot take your life before it's time. You might be like, you don't understand how bad it is. I'm telling you, it might be really bad. He can't. Satan cannot take your life before it's time. Again, think of Job. <laughs> Job probably would have been rather been dead. But guess what? If it's not time, he can't do it. Like, it might seem really bad, right? He can't take it before it's time, right? Not just your life. There's a lot of things he can't take it before it's time. Okay, so you just need to understand. That. He might make it really bad. He might make it seem like it'd be better to be, but he can't. He doesn't have that power, right? Only God holds that. So he can't take the peace of a boy over. He can't take your life before it's time. Here's one that some people struggle with. He can't make your decisions for you. Now, he can allow you, he can tempt you with substances to put in your body that make you feel like you're not making your own decision. He can't make your decisions for you. Some people are like, man, this is so far out of control, you don't understand. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. I might as well do this. I might as well not do that. You, know, you, at the end of the day, make the decisions for you. Right? At the end of the day, at the end of your life, you will stand before Christ. And he, you're, the, the excuse that, well, Satan made me do it, that's not going to hold water, I promise. Right? He can't make your decisions for you. Right? At the end of the day, you might be like, it is hopeless. I'm telling you, it's not hopeless because you have to make the first decision. Right? I remember a point in Paige and I's life, um, and I don't want to get super deep into this, but like our marriage was like, this was before we were saved, but it was right there at the time we got saved. So it wasn't just bad. It was really non-existent. We were like roommates. And like, so at some point I can give you all our testimony. Some of you guys know it, but it, like, it wasn't bad. It was like, it just wasn't there. Right? And so um, anyway, it, but anyway, somebody has to make the first. It, it, in, in a bad marriage, uh, there's always the, well, if this person would do this, then I will. Well, if they would do that, then I will. Like At some point, somebody has to make the first, I guess I will. right? And I, I'll just tell you right now, that doesn't always equate to a better marriage. But it at least allows you to stand before Christ and say, I did everything I could do. right? There was, I came home, I, I'm not kidding. Like, I, I honestly thought like either, I, I thought something was big time up. I came home and it was like a new person was in my house. I'm like, who are you? What did you do with my wife? And what are you trying to do? Like, what's, what's your aim on this thing? Because something's not, this is not normal, right? Like, are, are you, I don't know what's getting ready to happen, but I'm like, watching my back. I don't know what's going on, right? I didn't know. You didn't know her before she was saved, right? Like, I didn't know what was going on. Okay, so, but at some point, like, she had to make the decision, I'm going to act first, right? And so, it didn't take very long for me to realize, okay, I guess I need to, right? And so it doesn't always work that way, but man, I'm telling you, and I've said this before, you know, 
is in marriage or in, in whatever relationship it is, it's really hard to be mean to somebody when all they want to do is serve you. Right? It kind of is. Like, so you might have like a bad waiter or waitress at a restaurant and you might be like, this person's terrible. Right? And you're just a total jerk to them the entire time. But if, if all they are is just completely, you know, super sweet and like they're taking care of your needs, they're doing everything, is there anything else I can do? Like, yeah, whatever, get out of here. Right? Obviously, like, it's really hard to continue to be a complete jerk to somebody when all they want to do is serve you. Now, generally what happens is if you are that complete jerk or complete, you know, you fill in the blank with whatever colorful word you want to use, like, it's easy to, like, be that way and then they kind of start to get snobby back, right? Or because that's our that's our human nature. Like, well, fine. If they're going to be like this, then I don't even care. They can get their own <laughs> whatever, right? Okay. Well, the same thing takes place in your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your spouse, really any relationship at all. It's really hard to continue to be a complete, you know what, to somebody who all they want to do is answer in soft words, kind. You know, Proverbs says a, a soft answer turneth away wrath, like. If all this this person wants to do is serve and serve and serve, it's like, fine, I just want to talk to you, right? Okay, well, not talking to me is better than talking to me like you were, right? And then if it continues over and over and over again, and all you do is answer peace, right? Then it's like, it, it's really hard to live like that. It, it's really hard to live as that kind of a person to somebody who all they want to do is minister to you. And so just throwing that out there. So he can't make your decisions for you. The same, you know, he can't make, <clears throat> the adversary can't make you do anything. He can tempt the heck out of you all day long, but he can't make your decisions for you. You need to remember that. <clears throat> like, you, you want to go back to whatever sin it was that, that you, you're like, man, it's hopeless, I'm never going to get out of it, I'm never going like, to. He can't make your decision for you. He can make you feel like those things are hopeless, but at the end of the day, you are the one who gets to make that decision. And at the end of the day, you are the one who answers for that decision. The adversary, man, he's got a place already with his name on it. Right? It's the bottomless pit. He's done. Like, so you are the one who gets to decide where you're going to go and how it's going to end and how you're going to be judged for. Like, you get to make those decisions. He tempts the heck out of you. I promise. I've been there. Okay, so he can't uh, take the peace. I'll, I'll get done. I'm sorry. I'm over time. I want to give you the fourth one, and then we'll finish this up next week. He can't take the peace of a born-again believer. He cannot take your life before it's time. He can't make your decisions for you. The last thing... <clears throat> that the devil can't do and you might be like he can do a lot of things you're right he can't get you into hell once you're born again like he cannot get you into hell once you're in Christ it can't happen he might make you feel you're like you're defeated like it doesn't matter how hard he tries the adversary can't get you into hell once you've accepted Christ it can't happen and so for as bad as you might feel like it is or whatever is going on in your life and like man you don't know he cannot change your state in Christ it can't happen it is impossible. So just remember that. When you feel like, man, you're just defeated, it's all messed up, right? He says, man, I want you to bruise him, and there's a time you're going to bruise him under your heel. He cannot change those four things. Just remember that. So we're going to pick back up. That's kind of a weird spot to end, but uh, we'll pick back up, and we're going to finish Romans 16 next week. But I, I don't know if any of that hit close to home, or maybe somebody needed to hear it. I don't know. But there are some things, you know, we need to live victorious. Uh, in Christ, but sometimes it's hard because we've got this adversary all the time. Well, those are four things that are they're pretty close to home. Like that's the last thing Paul says, right? As far as doctrine goes, then he goes back to some more names, and uh, so there's something to that. And so as you walk out of here this week, just kind of think about that. You know, you're supposed to mark them, you're supposed to avoid them, and there will be a day where you will bruise him. So 
Let's pray. We'll get out of here. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I do pray that uh, we do understand that at the end of the day, we have the decision to make. Uh, the adversary can tempt us with a lot of things. Uh, we live in an information age where things are at our fingertips. Uh, and Lord, we have the, the, we get to decide when enough is enough, uh, when we're going to say, you know what, I'm not going to live like this anymore, I'm going to live for Christ. Uh, and so, Lord, I do pray that uh, if any of those four points, uh, that's the one we really uh, set on, is we get to make that decision, uh, and we are the one who gets to answer for it. So, uh, Lord, I do uh, pray you just send us out this week as lights in a dark world, that we would be good representatives of you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd just be with Pastor Brian as he preaches this morning, that uh, just hearts will be soft, uh, that the gospel will go forth that lives will be changed, Lord. I pray you just use us as your ambassadors. Uh, Lord, just uh, keep us safe this week as we got uh, things going on. Be with those who are out. Uh, pray for our pastor this week as he goes on uh, just a vacation and, and that we just uh, really uh, uh, pray for him. Uh, Lord, I pray that you just uh, get the honor and the glory from our lives in Christ's name. Amen.